This is the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Well, we seem to be reaching the business end of the general election, with the manifestos being launched and each party making their case to the British people. What do the polls say about what's going to happen and what we should expect on June the 8th? This week, we're going to be unveiling the Business Insider UK GFK poll, which you may have seen today. Um, very special event for us. And I'm here delighted to be joined by Adam Bienkov, political editor at Business Insider UK, and Adam Payne, business, uh, sorry, um, political reporter. Uh, both Adams, welcome to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So we're going to go through some of the polling um, data from our survey today. But before I go through the, the numbers in detail, um, Adam Bienkoff, I'll come to you. I just wonder what, what struck you from, from this poll? Well, certainly the most interesting finding, the one that's sparked the most interest with our readers, has been the polling on alternative uh, former and current Labour leaders and, and how well or badly Labour would do under their leadership. And what's particularly interesting about it is we, we've got these one set of numbers here on Jeremy Corbyn's approval ratings, which are pretty universally dire. He's worse than than any of the other major party leaders. But on the other hand, when you substitute him with other alternatives, Tony Blair, Ed Miliband, Sadiq Khan, or Yvette Cooper, they don't actually do any better than him and actually, in, on some measures, do substantially worse. So it, what's interesting to me is, is, is how much is of Labour's problems is down to their current leadership, who is undoubtedly very unpopular, and how much of it is down to the wider Labour brand. Mm. certainly does seem that there is a problem with the Labour brand. I'll just read through some of these findings um, for the benefit of listeners. So the question that we asked was, thinking about the Labour Party, would you consider voting uh, for a Labour Party led by Jeremy Corbyn, Tony Blair, Ed Miliband, Sadiq Khan and Yvette Cooper? And we gave short descriptions of who those people were uh, as well. So we called Jeremy Corbyn the current Labour leader, Tony Blair, former Labour Prime Minister, Ed Miliband, former Labour leader, Sadiq Khan, Mayor of London, Yvette Cooper, Labour MP. And I won't go through all of the individual numbers, but we are we gave people three choices. Would consider voting Labour, would not consider voting Labour, don't know. Um, Jeremy Corbyn, 31% said they would consider voting Labour under Jeremy Corbyn, 53% said they wouldn't, uh, and 15% didn't know. And I guess quite a useful shorthand way of analysing some of these numbers is to look at their net consideration score. Now, that's just a fancy way of saying we're going to subtract the number that wouldn't consider voting for someone versus the number that would. Um, Jeremy Corbyn had a score of minus 22. Tony Blair had a minus 38 score. Ed Miliband, minus 32. Um, Sadiq Khan, minus 24. And Yvette Cooper, minus 21. But Adam, as you rightly say, um, on, purely on the would consider voting measure, Jeremy Corbyn actually came top with 31. So an interesting picture, Adam Payne, about the Labour Party, isn't it? Well, yes, because I think some of the criticisms of Labour are very direct at Jeremy Corbyn and his leadership. But I think what these numbers speak to is the fact that Labour's got a lot more deep-lying structural problems that go beyond the leadership. Um, obviously, while these numbers confirm Tony Blair remains a very toxic figure in uh, British public life, if he is planning a return to British politics anytime soon, he probably wouldn't be welcomed with open arms. <laughs> um, but then, just for the the numbers of Sadiq Khan and Yvette Cooper, if you, if you look at the don't know figures next to their names, that kind of tells us that perhaps, you know, Sadiq and Yvette are well known in London in the political circles, but on a national mm. level, perhaps not that well known yet. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at Yvette Cooper's numbers, so 31% said they don't know whether they would vote for a Labour Party led by Yvette Cooper. That's compared to 15% that said don't know about Jeremy Corbyn. And I suppose that is what you say, that is, you know, people don't 
to, to the non-politico, she's an unknown quantity. I suppose the encouraging thing for Yvette would be, uh, Yvette Cooper would be that you know she has 45% saying they would not consider voting Labour under her leadership, which is the, I guess, the least toxic of all. I want to come back to this idea of Tony Blair, though, um, Adam. This idea of political comeback, do you think there's anything in that? It seems to be something that keeps being floated by people, but I, I must admit I struggle to understand what that well, would Tony mean Blair practice. coming back. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he set up a, a new um, organisation to work on Brexit, and that's the kind of his main issue of the day. That's something he wants to talk about. Whether or not he would ever come back as a, a frontline politician, is, I think is highly unlikely. I don't think the, the Labour Party would really want... Even some of his former supporters within the Labour Party want to touch him with a barge pole, really. Mm. But I, I do think, you know... Even putting these numbers aside, he is a huge, undoubtedly a hugely skillful politician. Actually, I think his 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 pro EU arguments, his pro anti anti pro Remain arguments, I think have actually been pretty effective. Um, it's, it's whether or not he can get a hearing for those arguments now, given how how toxic his brand appears to be. Yeah, it's it's kind of right message, wrong messenger. I think with Tony Blair for a lot of Remainers. But is it the right message? I mean, let's look at some of the other. Um of the findings. So one of our, our key findings was the voting intention poll. And we had the consent. Obviously, there's lots of polling out there at the moment. And uh, this is one poll. And I, I, I even as the person that did the poll, I would never say trust ours over everybody else's. Um, you've got to look at trends. You've got to look at averages uh, to get a picture of what's going on. But we had the Conservatives on 48. That's up seven from March. Labour on 28, which is perhaps surprising. No, no change there in contrast to some other polls. Liberal Democrats on 7, no change there either. Uh, UKIP down to 5 from 12 in March. Greens mm. on 3, which is down 3 from, a, I think, fair to say, quite high 6 that we had them in March. So 20-point lead for the Conservatives. But the reason I mention, you know, is it the right message? Lib Dems don't seem to be breaking through, do they? I mean, this is perhaps the biggest surprise for me uh, from the polls in this election. You know, we all thought because they were the Remain party, those committed Remainers would flock to them, but it just hasn't happened, has it? Well, uh, yeah, as when I was last here a few weeks ago on this podcast, I made the point there's been no Liberal Democrat surge. And, of course, they're 7% here. Across the average of polls, that might be 8 or 9%. But you're right, What one of the big theories coming into this election was there's going to be a Lib Dem surge fueled by Remainers who want to oppose Brexit, but really it, it, it has not happened. I mean, we, we had a similar story in 2015, I seem to remember, when... Everybody suggested, yes, that the polls look really bad for Lib Dems, but they're very popular locally and they're, they're great campaigners and they'll do much better than the national polling numbers suggested. Actually, they did, I think, slightly worse than the national polling mm. numbers um, suggested. And I think we're just going to see something quite similar today, the sort of narrative that we're going to see this Lib Dem breakthrough in this election isn't going to emerge. If you, if you put these numbers through electoral calculus for a national projection, I think there's a very good chance that they could actually go backwards in this election mm. and lose several MPs, including possibly Nick Clegg and maybe even Tim Farron. But then what then for the Lib Dems? Because this was, you know, this was supposed to be their big chance. If they don't make a breakthrough now, can they? Or well, is it yes. a case of when Brexit actually happens, maybe people will feel different? Well, we had the local elections this month, and the big story, one of the big stories out of that was the death of UKIP. I think we, there's a very good chance we could talk, not quite the death of the Lib Dems, but certainly the, you know, the, the mm. stultification of them. I mean, let's look at some of the approval ratings. So, I mean, we've talked about the different hypothetical um, 
Labour candidates, if you will, or potential Labour uh, leaders, some, some likely, some not. But we also asked uh, a consistent poll question that we often ask, which is around, do you, disappro- do you approve or disapprove of the way, dot, 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 the government's running the country, Theresa May's handling her job as Prime Minister, Jeremy Corbyn's handling his job as leader of the opposition, Tim Farron's handling his job as li- li- leader of the Lib Dems, uh, Paul Nuttall on UKIP, Nicholas Sturgeon on the SNP. And uh, I guess just on the Brexit point, one thing that's striking is that 51% have no opinion of Tim Farron, do they? So, I mean, you know, his, neg- his net approval rating is uh, minus 11, but that fi- half of the public don't have an opinion. Yes, is, that, is, that, I, is that half the point? I, I think we, we, we can overestimate how much people follow politics always. For the vast majority of the country, they will have heard very little from either Tim Farron or Lib Dems over the, over the past year or so. Um, they're probably only starting to pay attention to him now. And in, during the course of this campaign, all of they've, a lot of what they've seen of Tim Farron during this campaign and the Lib Dems hasn't been great. He's not had the best start to a campaign of all the party leaders, really. Mm. I mean, Adam, I didn't get a chance to tell you, ask you what you'd actually thought of this of the poll, what sort of key findings came out for you. I mean, one of the things that struck me was that, you know, Jerry Corbyn seems to be, uh, seems to be improving in his approval ratings, doesn't he? Um, yes, but in the grand scheme of things, it, it seems to be minor consolation. I think... Uh, Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn's perceptions among the public, I think, have been fixed for quite a while. I think, in the, for for the public, for you know, the majority of people, Theresa May, no matter what us journalists say about her campaign and how dull and kind of uh, unexciting it is, she's seen as a stable, reliable, kind of rational leader. While Jeremy Corbyn is seen as this kind of chaotic maniac who can't be trusted with anything. And I think those those perceptions, whether they're right or wrong, have been there for a few months. And um, you know, there's been polls come out recently where the public's been asked to judge the quality of the campaigns, and I think it's not controversial to say Jamie Corbyn's ran a pretty sound campaign so far, while mm. Theresa May's hasn't exactly been um, incredibly inspiring, but, you know, figures show that the public's more impressive Theresa May's campaign. So I think, you know, I, although Jamie Corbyn's numbers are improving, which is a positive, I don't think the general picture is has changed that much and will change that much in well, the next few weeks. I mean, one of the things really interesting about these approval numbers is if the question, uh, do you approve or disapprove of the way the government is running the country, 41% approve, 37% disapprove. That's that's not great for a uh, government. Um, but then when you look at the ter- how Theresa May is handling her job as Prime Minister, it's much better approve, 49%, disapprove, 33%. So I think the concerted uh, decision to make the campaign all about Theresa May and to almost erase the Conservative Party and the government from, from their campaign, I think looking at these numbers seems to have been the right decision. But let's talk a bit about Jeremy Corbyn. So, I mean, Adam, uh, you, you alluded to his impro- improving uh, approval ratings. That's something you can't say <laughs> 10 times in a row. Um, so 22% approve of Jeremy Corbyn, the job he's doing as leader of the opposition, which is more than half of those that approve of Theresa May. That's up five points, but 52% disapprove. That's down six. 26% have no opinion. So his, his approval rating is a rather paltry minus 30 which is up 11 points from March, but still pretty, uh, pretty bad. I mean, what do we think of the campaign he's had? I mean, Adam, you mentioned you think it's been quite good. It does feel like he's getting out there and meeting people. Um, and, you know, he's doing some smart things on Facebook, logging questions for Theresa May and that sort of thing. But, I mean, what does this say about him and maybe his future? Well, I think he's in, in his element during the, doing his campaigns. When we've seen him at his best was in the last two Labour leadership campaigns when he got... Easy to forget, really quite impressive result, got a huge majority in, in, in those contests. And he does seem a lot more relaxed now when you see him at events. 
uh, saw him recently in a campaign event and he cracking jokes and sort of chatting with the crowd. That's not something you previously have seen. Normally, in the past, in, in any kind of uh, Labour event where Jeremy Corbyn is on a list of speakers, he's the least impressive speaker mm. of all of them, even when it's borderline members of the public talk, uh, speaking. So um, I think he definitely has improved. Having said that, I mean, the only way he was up, really, his approval ratings were so bad before that it's hard to see how, how they could have gone, gone mm. any worse, really. And what's your impression on where he goes post-election? I mean, let's, let's make the assumption Labour lose. We've been burnt before in, the, in, in elections, but they are so far behind. I mean, this poll has them 20 points behind. You, I mean, I, I'll, I'll quit my job and, and not do market research again if, if this turns <laughs> out to the, if the Tories don't win from this position. But who knows? Maybe famous last words. Um, do you get the impression that he's going to stay on as Labour leader? Yes, definitely, at least in the, in the short term. Um, and people around him are all, all saying that he, he has made the decision to, to stick on, uh, partly because... They, they, mainly because actually, because if he stands down, they believe that the leadership of the Labour Party and the, the, the kind of machinery of the Labour Party will be wrested away from the left and be taken. Which back it to, will be, won't it? Which it would be, yes. Yeah. Um, so I think though he will want to hang on at least until the, the party conference and until they can try at least try and change the the nomination rules for who, how the next Labour leader is selected. So that if if and when Jeremy Corbyn does stand down. That another left left wing candidate from his wing of the party mm. can get onto the ballot because at the moment it's quite difficult for that to happen. Uh, just adding on that, I was speaking to the Clive Lewis MP earlier this week, who, funnily enough, was at the launch of a Progressive Alliance event, and he made a suggestion, a, pre- a prediction, which I think isn't that wild or controversial, which was Jamie Corbyn won't immediately resign; he'll stay on, as Adam says, a few weeks um, to provide kind of a stable exit and hand over to the successors that he he wants to be in charge next. And I think, I agree with Adam, I think Jamie Corbyn, if you know if the polls are correct and the Tories do win a majority, I think Corbyn will go eventually. But I certainly don't think it'll be on June 9th or June 10th. I think it could be much later in the year, as Adam says, perhaps towards and, a party and conference. And I think there's a reasonable chance he would actually stay on all the way until the, the following election, particularly if Labour do do roughly as well as Ed Miliband did in terms of vote share. Maybe not in terms of obviously not in terms of seat because the He'd way well into his seventies, wouldn't he, in twenty twenty two? I think I'm not sure if that necessarily yes, matters. Yes, but, but I mean, I think <laughs> that in the past that was not necessarily a sort of mm. deal breaker in, in politics. I think we've we've become used to younger leaders now. It's not always been the case. He's an incredibly healthy man as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. What, what's the what's the best strategy then for the moderate, so called moderate wing of the Labour Party? I mean, I, I've gone full circle on this. I mean, my initial impression was everyone says that Vet Cooper will be the person. Um, to challenge him, and she seems to have room to grow in her approval ratings with these don't knows. Um, nevertheless, does she go say the day after I'm going to challenge uh, Jeremy Corbyn for the leadership and basically force his hand? I mean, she'd have the nominations in the mm. PLP, or do they wait it out? I think it depends how bad the result is. If it is a complete wipeout, even among Jeremy Corbyn supporters, there will be an appetite change. If, if, if as I say, they do roughly as well or roughly as badly as Ed Miliband did, then I think it's going to be more difficult. And the, the, the main reason that Jeremy Corbyn has survived these, all of these challenges against him is there isn't an obvious replacement for him. And we see mm. that in these, in these numbers here. And yes, the, the, the amount of don't knows for Yvette Cooper in this poll are higher than the other candidates. But as we've seen in, in general elections, people who say don't know tend to 
to end up leaning the same way as the people who've already made up the decision. So it's not mm. necessarily the case that as as the public get to know Yvette Cooper that she would suddenly become a more viable candidate. Although who knows? I mean, I must admit. I mean, I think Yvette Cooper may very well be an, an effective leader of the opposition, I, I, and I certainly think that would be a reasonable assumption. I'm not convinced she beats Jeremy Corbyn in a leadership election. We 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 can't know what the what the membership would do and how they will react to a defeat, but. It feels like it would be reasonably easy to define her as a member of the establishment, PLP, all yes. the rest of it. And I don't know, maybe, what's your gut instinct on what the membership would actually, how I the think membership the, would react, the, if there is such a thing as the membership? I think the big problem for her is her position on immigration, where the, the Labour membership are, are quite liberal on the question of immigration, and she's sort of from a, from a different perspective. I think that would, that would... That would be difficult, I think, for her to, for her to win on that basis. I think she'd have to try and tackle that issue. But in many, but in many ways, Adam Payne, I mean, that's that's part of Labour's wider problem, isn't it? Because I suppose if Yvette Cooper's a bit firmer on immigration, that's something that the public would support, and yet she's got to get through the membership to, to get to the public in the first place. Yeah, as you say, the immigration debate is one that's tearing Labour apart at the moment because, obviously, as we know, speaking very generally, the Labour vote base or old vote base is split into two. You've got people who are kind of... Um, more affluent socialists live in areas of London, but then you've got people in old Labour seats up in Cumbria and Yorkshire, etc., who perhaps aren't so hot on immigration. But I think what what you guys have both pointed out about the mem- it, it'll all come down to the Labour membership, the selectorate, um, how they change their attitudes in wake of a defeat. If it is an absolute wipeout, perhaps there will be you know an appetite among former Corbyn supporters to look for something different, but. You're going to have those kind of really passionate Corbynistas who will stick with him through thick and thin. Mm. I think when Owen Smith stood last year, one of the big problems with that was it was absolutely terribly organised. It was one, it was a really awful coup. No one really knew who Owen Smith was, um, and you know it didn't exactly make it difficult for Jamie Corbyn. Of all, Corbyn was the favourite anyway. I think this time round, the move against him will be a lot more organised. For noises coming out of Labour already, obviously you, you've mentioned Yvette Cooper, Chucker and is another name that's been thrown around. Mm. Um, so I think the chances of Corbyn being defeated in a leadership election would be increased, but I still think he'd have to make him favourite. Yeah, but let's talk about Theresa May and 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 the Conservatives because by all you know, as we say, we don't know for sure, but it does look like Theresa May is going to win with an increased majority, and if so, she's obviously the Prime Minister for the next five years and negotiating Brexit. I mean, I'm looking at some of these numbers. Yes, her approval ratings are very high. Of course, her poll lead over the Labour Party is extremely high. But there's some numbers I want to throw out to you, um, which I think are important. I want to get your both of your impressions on what it means for the future. So I was looking at the, her approval rating cut by parties. 90% approval rating among Conservative voters. That is astonishingly high. Uh, and I, I just wonder how long, how long that can continue. And also her, the Conservative Party's lead um, over uh, with Leave voters is 48 points. Um, so not not uh, it's very clear where Theresa May gets her political base um from but then there are huge expectations to manage in the actual Brexit negotiations aren't there yes i, I think if you look i mean in this poll as well it shows that labor only lead the conservatives by 6 points among remain voters whereas the conservatives lead labor among leave voters by 48 points which which just shows that how much Brexit has, has is behind this huge leads we see for the conservatives in the polls i think 
while it's it's working for her at the moment, um, Brexit means Brexit, and saying it doesn't matter if we have a an extreme Brexit and crash out of the EU. I think in the long term she's storing up problems. For no deal is better than a bad deal. Yeah, I think she's storing up problems for the Conservative Party because it, she's raising expectations of what is possible in these Brexit negotiations, which simply are not possible. We're not going to be able to be able to get. Um, the same access to the single market we've got at the moment, while also ending freedom of movement. Um, we're not going to, be, going to be able to get a comprehensive free trade deal in just two years. These things are just not simply not possible. No reasonable expert suggests that they are. Mm. So I think there. I think while this this strategy she's taking at the moment will work in this election, I think a couple of years down the line she could be in real problems. And where, what's worth noting is when we talk about remainers and leavers. A lot is said about the 48%, but as has been written about rightly last few weeks, the 48% is a myth. If you've that YouGov research that came out earlier this week, I think it was, it showed that I think it was 68% of Brits just wanted to, think it was Chris Curtis, to get on with Brexit. And that left about 22% what we call hardcore remainers. So Theresa May's pitch, effectively, is to 68% of Brits, if we're going off those numbers. Um, and then on the, second, on the second point, I think Adam's right. In five years down the line... If Brexit, you know, has does does have adverse effects on the economy, and then the kind of the, the byproducts of that, I think she will take a dip in ratings, and mm. she will come under more pressure. The question is, will Labour be in a position to capitalise on that if Jamie Corbyn's still in power, or the party's still going through, you know, a tug of war internally? Then perhaps Labour won't be in a position to cap to jump on that and make something of it. It'll be interesting because one of our other poll findings is asking whether Brexit's the right or wrong decision. 45% say right decision, 41% say wrong decision. No real movement from March, no real movement from um, the referendum itself. But still 41% think it's the wrong decision. So that's still a, a sizable um, chunk of the population. I guess looking ahead to the final sort of three weeks of the general election campaign itself, I mean, what are you guys looking out for? And presumably you're, you're going to be there in, sort of on the campaign trail looking at what politicians are doing. I mean... What is it you're focusing on in the coming weeks? Well, it's quite hard. It's been it's been quite a strange election. It's 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 been slightly difficult to get people excited about this election um, when it's seen as such a foregone conclusion. Um, so I'm not sure what you, what you think, Adam, but I, I, it's it's been it's been sometimes slightly difficult. <laughs> um, I think the things I'm looking out for until now until election day can Labour break the thirty percent barrier can Corbyn match or surpass Ed Miliband's vote share will there be a Lib Dem surge I'm going to say no uh, I don't think there will be one and then obviously there's a lot of interest although as Adam says it's it's difficult to get people interested in this election but for us journalists and for us political nerds it's quite an interesting one there's a lot of marginal seats I'll be going up to Bar and Furnace my home hometown where Labour's got like a 900 majority there it's not been Tory since 1987 if the Tories win there, that could be a picture, like microcosm for something mm. that goes on nationally. Um, and also the UKIP vote as well. How, how do UKIP do? The story is that you know, lots of UKIP voters are sprinting towards the Tories. I think there's a stat in here that 50% of 2015 UKIP voters plan to vote Tory and 38% plan to stay loyal. And we were saying earlier that that's all well and good, but a lot of that comes down to the turnout among UKIP voters. So it'll be interesting to see how UKIP the UKIP vote uh, does as well. So I think there's a lot of subplots that well, are interesting. I would add to that Scotland, actually, which we haven't really covered in this um, in this discussion. I mean, our poll wasn't of Scotland specifically. Obviously, Scotland was part of the sample. 
I mean, there is this question, of course, isn't there, about the idea of a second independence referendum. I mean, it's hard to know what's going to happen there, isn't it? Because I guess if Theresa May wins a majority of 160 plus, which is what this poll would suggest, roughly, um, she's going to feel emboldened to say no, isn't she? But then that's maybe not the right strategy. Yes, and, and there is obviously no great appetite for another independence referendum in Scotland or in, or in the UK in, in general. Again, I think this is this is something that at the moment seems settled, but could the question of a second independence referendum, I think, could rear its head as we get closer towards Brexit, as the the economic negative signs of Brexit become clearer. Um, I think this is I think this is not something that's settled forever. I think there could potentially be uh, another independence referendum within the next few years, and it could potentially be won by the the pro independence side. Well, that's an ominous uh, note on which to end this podcast. But Adam Bienkoff, Adam Payne, thank you very much uh, for joining me today. That's all we've got time for for the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. If you like what you hear, please do share us on social media in whatever form you can. That really helps get our name out there and grow our audience. And uh, if you really, really like us, why not give us a review or a like on our Facebook page or iTunes or other podcast apps? Again, really helps spread the word. But for now, that's all we've got time for. No music by popular demand again. We're back to the swooshes. Uh, But stay tuned for more episodes in the coming weeks.